God, we know that you are sovereign over all things, over the universe, over the world. And, and ultimately, one day, all of the earth will sing your praises. Lord, help us to sing your praises now. Help us to begin practicing now for our eternity. Lord, help us to show others that there is an eternity to be gained by being with the Lord, uh, as opposed to, Lord, being cast um, into the darkness without him. Lord, help us to, to be the servants of, of yours that you called us to be. Uh, Lord, we pray and, and ask you to help us give you praise today. We know praise doesn't even come from us. It comes from your spirit within us that helps us to do just that. And so, Lord, we ask for that today, that you will empower us to give you your great name praise. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, uh, just a real quick reminder that um, we have our, our connection card. Uh, please fill that out. And uh, if, especially if you're a guest with us, maybe for the first or second time, we'd love to know uh, who you are and, and how we could minister to you. Uh, there's also prayer request cards in there. Those can either be put in the offering plate here in a little bit, or you can take them to the Connection Center, either one of those cards, all right? Well, we have a special guest with us today, uh, one of our very own, a Sunday school teacher, and, uh, and by the way, an elder nominee, uh, Chris McGee. And Chris is going to share with us a little bit about Gideon's International. This book is full of lies and you are not to read it was a statement made by a father of a young girl from Colombia named Anna. Her school had been visited by the Gideons and she received a New Testament where she took it home and began to read it until her dad walked in and saw this book and said, you are not to read that, it's full of lies. But she hid that New Testament, and she continued to read it in secret. Until one day, her father walked in and caught her reading it. He grabbed it out of her hands and stuck it in his front shirt pocket as he was on his way out to work. He worked in the local mines, and later that day, there could be sirens heard all through the town. There had been a collapse in that mine, and 31 men had been trapped underground. It took the rescue workers five days to reach those men, but it was too late. All 31 men had passed. One of the rescue workers was looking through the remains of the bodies and saw something in the hands of one of the men. He reached down and grabbed it, and it was that testament. He opened it up, and there was a note written on the front page. To my daughter, this book is right and true, and please read it every day, and I will one day see you in heaven. The rescue worker turned through the pages, got to the back page, where he had written his signature to proclaim that he had trusted Christ. Not only his signature, but the signature of all 30 men, other men were in there. Through the Gideons International, we received testimonies just like this, on the power of God through his word that can impact one life, many lives, through one copy. I'm Chris McGee, and I am a member of the Gideons International. It's an organization that was started in 1899 by a group of men that decided they wanted to share their faith. It wasn't until 10 years later that a pastor said, hey, maybe you should hand out some Bibles while you do that. The pastor even committed to paying for the Bibles through his church. And it's through that partnership with churches all across the world that we've been able to place and give out more than 2.5 billion copies of God's Word that have changed many lives. And they're copies that churches just like this one help provide. So today, I want to let you know our single purpose with the Gideons International is to see the lost come to faith in Jesus Christ through these copies of his word. And we place these Bibles in hotels, 
motels, hospitals, we place them at schools, we place them in um, jails, we place them wherever we can place them. We also do personal witnessing with these, with these copies. And the uniqueness about our ministry is we're in over 200 countries, but our members are members of their community in which they serve. So I'm not sending myself over to another country to give this. We have members in all these countries. And it's unique, and like my brother Sergey was telling me this summer, he's a, he lives in the Ukraine, and when the bombing started to happen, the first thing him and his wife did was they packed up all their stuff, they're getting ready to leave, and as they got to the front door, they stopped. Maybe God has something different for us. They prayed, they decided to stay and help their community. It opened doors all across their community. People that were closed to the gospel were now willing to take a copy of the word, just like his neighbor, who would never take a copy of God's word, never wanted to hear about God. He came to salvation through a Bible study in the basement of his house during this time. He also reached out to the local government and asked about getting Bibles in the schools because it's been closed, just like we are here in the United States. He got a letter from the Minister of Education with his signature on it saying, you have full access to all schools in this country to get the God's word to the, kid, to the kids. So we see how God works in these other countries through his word. And locally, us Gideons, we've been able to place new Bibles this year in the hotels and motels here in Christian County. We've also been able to place over 200 copies of Bibles in the Christian County Jail through the chaplain. We've also been able to participate in events like the fairs, um, Ozark Empire Fairground, where we gave out thousands of testaments. We also walk on campuses, give out uh, God's word to college campuses. We also have been able to help out in churches uh, with their events and gatherings, just like Day of Giving at our church, where we were able to give out testaments. And my wife, Carla, I watched as she gave a testament to a lady, about a 30-year-old lady, walks past me and goes, wow, my first Bible. So even here in Christian County, there's an importance for God's word being placed as we see people still not even knowing who Jesus Christ is or having their own Bible. These Bibles that we present and we place are at no charge to the people that receive them. It's through churches just like this one that give us funds to help give the gospel. And for a dollar and sixty cents, you could provide one of these that could place a Bible across the world in any uh, of 200 countries. So today, as you pray for our ministry, I ask that you pray for the lost that receive it, that they will open this up, they will read God's word. We also ask you to pray for the funds that will continue, that we will be able to place God's word in any hand that is open. And then we also pray, ask you to pray for workers, our ministry. Workers, 200 countries are few, so we ask for help with that. And so just as a men, women, boys, and girls all across the world need a copy of God's word, they may not be able to afford one in, in other countries like we can here. And then lastly, I'd like to leave you with what a Gideon Testament has done for me personally. See, they say through surveys that have been done, only 5% of people sitting in churches today will talk about the gospel outside of these four walls. So I came to get Saving Grace knowledge of Jesus Christ at age 13. But I'm telling you, when I was an adult and I sat back and looked at my life, I was one of the 95% that kept it to myself. It was important to me to get out there to learn how to share the gospel with others. Someone once told me I had to be somebody who one will tell others. And so 
as we come to that knowledge, the Gideons International helped me with that, striving side by side with other men that were faithful to share the gospel, faithful to uh, encourage me to share the gospel. They even put me in a point where I had no other choice but to share the gospel. So it is encouraging to be along with other men because as we, uh, we go out, Peter told us that we are always to be prepared to have a defense for the hope that is in us. So if we are not living, living it and sharing it, is it really changing our lives? So as Paul will tell us in Romans 1, we are set apart for the gospel of God. If you've been saved, you are set apart for the gospel of God. That tells you, he tells you three things right after that. He tells you, I am obligated, I am eager, and I am unashamed. And why am I unashamed? It is the power of God unto salvation. Paul, of all people, knew what that power was when it knocked him off his horse. But that same power has changed my life, and it's changed your life. So we are to be unashamed of the gospel. So today, I'm asking you to not only partner with us by prayer, by financial support, but share your faith outside of these walls. And if you'd like more information on how the Gideons International could help you do that, we, I have a table set out up front, and we've also created a program con called Conversations, a simple approach to sharing the gospel, which we partner with churches, and we show you how easy it is to share the gospel. And so we, uh, we offer that, and then also I want you to remember the power of God changes lives. One copy of God's word changes lives. And through the Gideons International, I've seen how important that is. One Bible in some of these small countries in Africa can be the whole village's Bible, a family's Bible, or even the curriculum at the school because they have nothing else to read. So your, Bible, your funds today will go 100% to place Bible, God's word in other countries. So as I end today, just remember, you have the power to change a life today. Thank you. As you uh, pray about how to what to what to give to that ministry, uh, let's do it this way, if you would please. In a moment, our regular offering will be taken, and that'll just be for our church ministries. And at the end of the service, at every door, there will be a plate, uh, and and that's when you can give to the Gideon offering. All right. So when the the regular plates pass, that'll be our uh, offering, and at the door as you leave, that would be the Gideon offering. Oh, and if you're going to write a check to the Gideons, to Gideons International, Gideon International, Gideon International, okay? Thank you for that. Well, as we uh, forge ahead in uh, Hebrews, we're talking about how the, the Lord is in charge, upholds the whole universe, the whole world, amen? And so let's read together uh, Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it.
as we continue to think about Hebrews uh, verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, about God in control of the world, I have to um, uh, confess, uh, as soon as I chose this hymn, and that was the first hymn that came to mind, uh, I got to verse 3, and my mind went from uh, Hebrews to current events. Uh, matter of fact, Mark, I didn't, I didn't cue you to do this. Can you show us that last verse again? This is my Father's world. Oh, let me never forget. I'm on, I'm on this is my Father's world, Mark. I'm sorry. The one we just did. Can you find it? Uh, verse 3. That's fine. We'll, we'll just talk about it. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, and man does it ever, but God is still rules yet. Amen? And so we need to always... Always remember that. Let's continue to sing about God's wonderful creation that He is in control of. Yeah. 
just a quick reminder, uh, the offering right now will be our regular church offering, and then at the end, uh, at the doors, will be the get-in offering, okay? Lord God, we come before you now and just uh, ask your blessing upon our offering today. Lord, may we go just beyond these four walls in our regular offering today and, and give to support Bibles given around the world. Uh, Lord, the stories that uh, we could just go on and on for eternity about how the Word of God has changed hearts and lives. And we, uh, we want to be a part of that. And so, Lord, lead and guide each every one of us to, to do our part. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is it good that we remind ourselves of Messiah, hold forever those he loves. He loves. 
does our God intend to dwell again with us? Is he worthy of this? He is, and so much more. Yes, he is. Uh, We live in a time where everybody is talking to us. You know this is true. You tune into the radio, and everybody's talking to you or at you, we may may say. Uh, You check your email, and everybody's talking to you. Usually for me, they're wanting to sell me something. 
an extended warranty. Those things are nice, especially if something happens to your vehicle. Or it may be about losing weight. Have you ever gotten one of those? The text and the emails that we get, we're bombarded with words. With all the voices that are out there clamoring for your attention, the voices that for many, especially if you're a believer, the voices that are trying to pull you away, take away your attention from the things of God or maybe even from the church or maybe for the people of God to rearrange their priorities and their loyalties to fit more with what the world values instead of the Lord. For all of those voices that are trying to do that, you need to remember that God has spoken. God has a voice. God has his word and he has spoken to us. Listen to the text, Hebrews 1 verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And then we learned this last week. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. God is talking to us through his Son And by his word, the full disclosure of our God has come. There was, of course, true disclosure brought to us in the Old Testament through the prophets. But that disclosure was incomplete. We didn't have the full picture, for lack of a better way of saying it. But now the complete disclosure of what our God has to say came to us. In God the Son, when he came into this world as the living word, the Bible says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So this is what makes in Son revelation better than that of the prophets. And of course, the mediation of Christ on your behalf, having made purification for your sin, It's light years better than anything an angel could ever mediate between you and God. An angel could not make you right with God. Jesus Christ did. So today, when you read the Old Testament, you read it through the lens of full disclosure. So when you read three quarters of the Bible, you read it through the lens of the Son of God. So the Old Testament tells a story, and the end of the story is the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's nothing better, and there's nothing more, according to what Hebrews 1 tells us. This is the final, definitive revelation. And here's the glory of it. It continues to speak to us today. You say, well, it was written to a set of readers 
that read it for the first time, and you would be exactly right. But we also know that the, living, that the Word of God is living, this is found in Hebrews, and active and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is able to cut to the marrow and to the internal workings of man. It is able to, it is live, it is living, and it is able to change us. So the Lord gives us this revelation in His Son, and it speaks to us afresh and anew today, just like it did the very first time that the readers picked it up and read it. He speaks equally to us today through the exact same word. So, it's just as active today in 2023 as it was when the Lord Jesus walked the earth and opened His mouth and spoke. We must listen to the Son because there is nothing else. Why? Why is he the complete word of the Father? Well, we demonstrated that last week as the writer begins to give you these descriptive phrases of, of who he is. And we learn that he's the heir of all things. Not only is he the heir of all things, he is the agent of creation. John says it this way, there's, there's nothing that is made or was made that was not made through him. And so then we learn more of his essence in this text of Scripture. He is... The radiance of the glory of God. And he is the exact imprint, or a better way of saying it, he is the perfect image of God's essence. So that has to do with who he is. And uh, is he worthy? He is. Just think about that terminology, okay? So today, just one thing in this text before we jump into next week. He made purification for our sins, which I can't wait to hit that one right. Whereas this one, he upholds all things by the word of his power, is, is in the present tense. It is active. He is presently upholding all things right now. Purification after making is an aorist, meaning at a point in time, he made purification for your sins. We look forward to um, looking at that. And then, of course, lastly, he is exalted to the right hand of the Father. But for today's sermon... I want you to focus on he is the one who sustains the universe by his word. So after describing his nature or his essence, that would be concerned with who he is. Yet when you move here, this concerns itself with what he does. Who he is, what he does. And the author of Hebrews declares that his sustaining relationship, he has a sustaining relationship in view of what he has created so he has a sustaining relationship in light of the universe, the Son of God, the agent of creation, the one who created the world, is also the one who carries creation to its intended goal. Wow. He is not only the one through whom the world was made, but he's also the one that sustains the universe. And he does so, not with hydraulics and pulleys, but with his powerful word. The word here uh, used, sustains, can be translated bear or sustain. And again, it is a present active participle. And you know what that means. Just put that ing for the most part on there. So bearing all things or sustaining all things. And it's in the present tense, meaning he is doing it right at this moment. In the entire world and all things in this world. He is doing this. Colossians chapter 1, 
We may go there a couple of times this morning, but some of you probably already went ahead of me and thought of this text. Verse 15 of chapter 1 of Colossians, he's the image of the invisible God. That has more to do with essence, right? Radiance of his glory, exact imprint of his image. But look at this. Verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Who is this? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And further down, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Verse 17, are you looking? And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Paul's terminology would be hold together. The writer of Hebrews terminology, which we did this on a Sunday night and talked about authorship, right? Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, his wording would be upholds all things or bearing all things or sustaining all things by the word of his power. Now deism is the view that God just created everything, wound it up. You remember Pele's watchmaker principle? Y'all didn't go to grammar school? I learned that in about sixth grade. I mean, come on. He, he talked about a watch. And what, what happened was that the Lord was like a watchmaker. And he created the watch, but then he stepped back and let it work on its own. Well, that's what deism is. And as a matter of fact, a lot of, uh, a lot of early Americans, believe it or not, were deists. Which is kind of sad, but they were. But the fact of the matter is, deism would say, well... It's the belief that God started it up and then he stepped back to let things work by laws of nature. So what would that mean? There's, that would mean that God's superintendence is dispensed with. He, he created it all, but then he stepped back and there's no superintendence in the world. The writer of Hebrews would reject that fully, right? The very notion he would reject, the universe is sustained by the personal and powerful word of the Son. Now you can disagree with that, but you're not disagreeing with me, you're disagreeing with the Bible. Because it says it clearly that He sustains all things by the word of His power. The world is dependent on His will for its functioning and its preservation. The world will not function without the will of God. The world will not sustain itself without sustaining Preservation of the Lord Jesus Christ. An article was published on September 5th, 2023 called, What is Gravity? September 5th, 2023. What is gravity? Well, folks, you know full well that gravity has to do with the fact that you walk, you walked into this church and stayed grounded. You didn't fly off up into space. Or if you drop something... It's going to fall, right? For some of us, if we start to fall, the fall never hurts. It's that sudden impact, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is, there's a formula, formula for it called the law of gravitation. We know what this is, and I don't know how well I did back in the day when filling in all that math times energy stuff like that, but the fact of the matter is, Although there are several theories attempting to explain gravity, you can see an article written in September of this year, scientists don't, they don't understand completely where it comes from. How does it work? 
I remember reading an article back in 2000 how the U.S. would soon launch a space station into orbit to attempt to define gravity. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? We've known that it's existed for hundreds of years, but we don't know how it works, and we really don't know what it is or where it comes from. Science is constantly seeking to discover what holds this universe together. What's the power behind the power behind the power? What is the ultimate force of the universe? Our text makes it clear that the answer is not a what. It's a who. It's a who. Who makes the universe hold together? It is the Lord God of glory who created it. That sustains it by his powerful word. And again, it's in the present tense. Even now, Jesus is sustaining the universe. All things hold together in him and for him and by him. His power is greater than any nuclear power. And his force is mightier than any mystical force you ever saw in Star Wars. I hate to hurt your feelings, kids. But that's mystical. It's a force. God is mightier. Way stronger. Way more powerful. The fact is, if he were to say the word today, Ozark would cease to be. If he just speaks the word, there is no Ozark. He sustains you so that you can breathe. Right? It's ironic to consider that a professing atheist must use the power that the Son of God has provided for him, for him to doubt his very existence. They shoot their cannons of unbelief on the ground that he's provided them to stand on. The atheist owes every or the atheist owes his very existence to the one that he so vigorously denies. Now this is a massive comprehensive statement, isn't it? He's sustained, he is sustaining. He's bearing all things according to the power of his word and sustaining it. That's comprehensive. The context demands the totality of everything that exists. Why? Because God created it. It says in the text that he created it. He's the agent of creation. He's upholding the totality of created things by his word. What did Colossians 1.16 say? Those things visible and those things invisible. Folks, there's nothing left out of those categories. Visible and invisible. Nothing is left out of those categories. He upholds all things. How? By the word of his power. He's upholding what you can see. And he's upholding what you cannot see. You can go from the, the most atomistic, atomistic particle in the universe. And Jesus is even carrying that to its appointed end. He's upholding the world. He's upholding the galaxy that our earth is in called the Milky Way. And he's upholding, now scientists believe an accurate guess would be 170 billion galaxies. Don't ask me how they know that, but I checked it before I came in. I had heard 100 billion galaxies all the way up to 200 billion. But they said, really, according to our technology, technology, the best guess is 170 billion galaxies. I saw this week, you may have seen it on the news, that we were going to have a ring of fire eclipse. Anybody know that other than me? A few of you are nerds. <laughs> I am not in that. I appreciate it, but I don't study that kind of stuff. But it's, it was unbelievable that the moon was going to pass in front of it, the sun, and from our distance, looking at it, there would be a ring of fire on the outside of the moon as it eclipsed the sun. It happened on Saturday. It was an amazing thing. Uh, scientists were quick to tell you, don't stare at it. 
Seriously, it'll damage your eyes. I'm telling you, folks, God sustains that. It would not happen if he said no. It would not happen if he said stop. It would not happen if he said don't spin. Everything that's happening is held together. And here's the thing. That baby that laid helpless in a manger was at that very moment holding together the very molecules of the straw that he laid upon. Stop and think about this. This is the glory. Is it worthy? You better believe it. How does he do it? The writer says he does it through the power of his word. Now, we know that logos is a dominant word. In the beginning was the logos. And um, he was, the logos was with God, right? We know that. That's the way in the Greek we hear logos, but there's no ah in it. It's omega, logos. But here's the deal. We, we hear the word and we think of that, but that's not the word here. By the power of his word is the word rhema. And that has to do with utterance. That has to do with voicing it. And the voicing of it is in the power of the command. Folks, this is what that means. When God speaks the word, the command is as good as done. That's what rhema means. He doesn't uphold it with this universe with pulleys and hydraulic systems. He does it simply through the power of his word. Again, chapter 1, 1 through 4 is about God speaking. Are y'all listening? And he's doing that. That's why the word rhema is used. There's a reason why our planet doesn't spin out of its orbit and crash into something. There's a reason. He's, and, and the reason is he's upholding it and sustaining it by saying simply, stay put. This, that is all he needs to say. Stay put. Spin by the power of his word. All things do exactly what they're supposed to do. Did you just wake up yesterday and figure out that you are positioned on the earth in the exact amount away from the sun that you don't burn up or freeze to death? Do you think that happened by chance? Really? The fact of the matter is, it's the Lord Jesus Christ who is preserving and sustaining and upholding. By the power of his word, he says, stay Spin, and, and everything does exactly what he says for them to do. <laughs> Thought came to my mind, wouldn't that be a parent's dream, right? <laughs> Stay, stop, spin, whatever, and the kids just do it. Wow. This is God's creative word. Don't forget, rhema has that in it. It determines nature. It is that creative word that governs, and that's called providence. This is what this is going for. This is what this is theologically. It's called providence. And that means that layman's definition, God will see to it. Providence. God will see to it. Philip Hughes says, The sun, so to speak, is the nucleus of creation. In him, all things hold together, and the purposeful coherence of the whole is achieved by his word. Man, I wish I had come up with that statement. That is extremely good. You know, the word power is in this text, dunameos, dunamis, dynamite, power. That's where you get your English word dynamite. It's forceful. It's a dynamic word. In other words, when the word is spoken, the utterance is given, it accomplishes its purpose. The word of this power is actually a Hebrew expression picked up in the New Testament, 
And in some sense, power is actually an attribute of the Word. That Word that is keeping all your involuntary parts in your body working right now and sustained is the Lord. Did you just tell your heart to beat? Did you tell your liver to quiver? Did you tell your kidneys to function? All of those things, according to this text, work in obedience to His power. That is amazing. The utterance of God goes forth with, un, with unlimited, complete, sovereign power. Jesus is the nucleus of creation, and he's the very glue of the galaxies. Now, let me show you some of the glory of that. We, we preached through Psalms in the summer, and we'll probably do that again in the future. It was enjoyable to me. Psalm 62. Let me show you a couple of these things. Let me show you how this works. I'm going to turn fast so you listen fast. Chapter 62, verse 11. Psalm 62, verse 11. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. So here is the Son at the right hand of the Father, according to this text, speaking forth from His own divine omnipotent word of His power, that's causing all things to be sustained and to maintain and bring it to an ultimate goal. Chapter 33, Psalm 33, 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. Psalm 33, 6. And by the breath of his mouth all their hosts... He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, Ramah. He spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Are y'all getting this? Yes, this is the power of his word. Psalm 29, verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. I could read on in that one. But let's go over to Psalm 103, 103, verse 20. This is powerful. Verse 20 of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. Obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Jesus gives his word. An innumerable host of angels stand in attention and they obey immediately. That's what they do. All right, look at Psalm 147. All you weather people, take notice of the next few. Psalm 147, verse 15. He sends out his command to the earth. We think this is Mother Nature, right? Get that out of your mind. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. 
He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? You ever feel that in Missouri? He sends out his word and melts them. And we thought it was just the fact that it was warming up. But this text says God did it. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and his rules to Israel. Okay, Psalm 148. 5 and 6. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. So, we look out and we think of the frost and we think of the dew and we think, wow, Mother Nature. No, God spoke his word. God sends the rain. Grass begins to grow in the springtime and we're like, wow, Mother Nature. No, it is the Lord God causing it to grow. The snow comes and the snow melts and it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do according to the power of God's holy word. He spoke and it took place. One more. Job. Chapter 37, only one of Job's friends escaped without being ridiculed for their advice to Job in the midst of his suffering. And Elihu was one of them. Listen to this awesome text. I actually had the privilege of sitting with James Spann. You won't know him. His name was James Spann, the weatherman. And he is over one of the news places in Birmingham. And he's like the chief meteorologist. And we sat and had lunch together one day. And I said, hey, have you ever read this? And he's like, he read it. He said, no, I haven't read that. But anyway, I, I taught the weatherman something. Chapter 37, verse 1. Listen. At this also my heart trembles and leaps out of its place. This is Elihu speaking. Keep listening to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. Under the whole heaven he lets it go and is lightning to the corners of the earth. After it, his voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice. And it does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth. Likewise, to the downpour, he, his mighty downpour. So he says to the snowfall, he says to the rainfall, he seals up the hand of every man that all men whom he made may know it. Then the beasts go into their lyres and remain in their dens. From its chamber comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds. By the breath of God, ice is given and the broad waters are frozen fast. He loads the thick cloud with moisture. How about that cosmogony? For somebody who lived a long time ago that everybody says don't know diddly. And this text says that God loads the clouds with thick moisture. The clouds scatter his lightning. They turn around and around by his guidance. Stop and think about this. They turn around and around by his guidance. To accomplish all that he commands them on the face of the inhabitable earth. Verse 13. Here's, why, here's how God uses weather as a tool. Whether for correction or for his land or for love, he causes it to happen. If I was preaching today on that text, I would tell you that God, God uses weather for conservation, for compassion, and for correction. God controls the weather. He speaks the word. 
Power belongs to God. Okay. All right, let's. Jesus Christ, the second person of the eternal Godhead, is upholding all things by the word of his power. He speaks and it happens. There's nothing that can turn back that sovereign word. It is an omnipotent word. It is an effective word. Jesus Christ underlies all reality. That's who he is. Yes, he's the very one who was crucified for sinners. Yet the grave could not hold him. He, he came forth from the grave. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. The one who is Lord over matter and energy and history and the present and the future is that same Lord. He's Lord of all. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Again, there's a theological term that we use and it's called providence. To uphold all things by the word of his power is to say he providentially governs the world. When you're talking about sustaining and bearing all things and holding them up, you're talking about a God who is providentially in control of the world. He's not only the creator, he's the sustainer. The sustainer. His work was not only creation, his work presently is to govern what he's created. The larger catechism, Westminster, question 18 says, What are God's works of providence? Answer, God's works of providence are his most holy and wise power preserving and governing all creatures, ordering them and their actions to his own glory. That's providence. The world in which we live, matter and energy, rogue nations, good nations, if there are any, violent nations, the 600 plus billion people on the face of the earth, the heavenly bodies that you look up and see in the air, angelic beings that you cannot see, this creation, those 170 billion galaxies are not governed by chance, but Christ. That's what this text is teaching. R.C. Sproul once says, what is the chance that chance could do anything? <laughs> not a chance. Not a chance. He's not only the radiance of the glory of God. He reveals God's glory as the outshining, as he is upholding providentially this world and your life and the details of your life to bring your life to its appointed ends. And this is part of that Radiant glory of God. You need to look at life with new eyes, folks. You need to stop looking down at your feet. You need to look up at God's incredible creation. And he's upholding it, all of it, by the word of his power. John Calvin once said, There's not a blade of grass and there's not a color in this world that is not intended to make you rejoice. All folks. Believers especially, listen to me, God is glorified in his magnificent creation. His glory is actually manifested in the creation. His providential governing of the sun up in the air, S-U-N, is designed to make you rejoice and say, I love you, Lord. That's why it's there. A lesson for all of us who are grumblers and complainers. Are you one of these? Do you believe that Jesus upholds and bears and sustains all things according to the power of his word? Stop grumbling. Is that a word from heaven? <laughs> Stop grumbling. Stop complaining. Stop looking down. What captures your attention, folks, and what occupies your thoughts will shape your heart. 
You need to have big, glorious, biblical thoughts of the God who is our creator and the one who sustains all things. If you want to be earthy and carnal and ordinary, then walk around with your gaze fixed at your feet. But I challenge you to have lofty thoughts in your soul that ask God to show you his glory through his providential upholding of all things by the word of his son's power. Thought about this yesterday. You said you, you get up in a tree, and I know you people think, what are you, you men are stupid. But I got up in a tree, and I was probably 20 foot off the ground, and I'm sitting out there enjoying God's creation. And I see, coming from my right, a beautiful, I'm not kidding with you, 12-point buck. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story, because it might offend some of you. But that thing was majestic, and it just didn't happen by chance. God created it. You have to stop and say, God, you're so glorious. Not just because of that animal, but because I can climb up and sit in a tree. That I can see the beauty of your creation. That you control and govern all things for your glory. By the way, the other end of the story, the Lord did give us dominion over the animals. Right? <laughs> Genesis 9. Right? Our Lord Jesus is upholding all things and radiating the glory of his Father. Here's the deal. When you fell asleep last night, he upheld your heartbeat. He did. Your brain waves, your eyesight, your liver functions, your kidney functions. And here's a big one. He upholds and sustains your faith. If he stopped, you would never have faith. I'm telling you, folks, he's the one that sustains the one that God has, the one that has revealed God in all of his glory, the Son of God, is the final, full, complete revelation of God because he is God. He's a creator, he's a sustainer. To have that revelation of Christ in you is to have the revelation of the creator and sustainer of all things. And you can't ask for anything better than that. The creator and the sustainer, right? This is the same Jesus. Let's land the plane. Who entered into our world in weakness. The God of this glory that we've preached on. Entered into our time-space continuum in weakness. The Bible says that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. That through his poverty you might become rich. The omnipotent word of the Lord Almighty has so ordered your life and arranged the details and worked out the plan in you that you're here today. You say, well, I made my decision to come to church. Well, don't think so fast. Many things could have happened that kept you out of here. God saw fit that you be here today. The one who made the world, even you today, if you're, in a, if you're here, God made you. Some of you say, well, I was illegitimate. I don't, I don't, well, I don't care. The Bible says you were knit together from your conception in your mother's womb by the word of his power. So, you are you because the Lord Jesus Christ said, you are you. That's why. So, he is also the one who said, you be here today. There are no accidents with God's calendar. None. You were here today to hear about Jesus Christ. There is someone in control of your life, and guess what? It's not you. God wants to reveal Christ to you today. This is the Son, 
the one who came into the world in the likeness of sinful flesh, took upon himself the weakness of humanity. Yet, don't fool yourself. His weakness did not involve sin. It's the fact that he took on your nature, yet without sin. He that knew no sin became sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21, so that we might become the very righteousness of God. And without sin, he gave himself up on the cross for sinners, the ungodly, the rebellious, the enemies of God, and the omnipotent one who upholds all things by the word of his power came and poured himself out in weakness so that you could have your sins forgiven by the shedding of his blood. He did this so that you would be justified and have all your sins removed and covered and your acceptability before God. It is in this very book, the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Listen to this. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that's me and you, he himself likewise partook, that word partook means to take on something he didn't previously have, of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a faithful, merciful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. Hallelujah. He did that for you. He did this so that you could be justified. Today he's speaking a redemptive word to you. You need to bow your heart. You need to bow your knee to the king. Embrace him and all that he is for you and receive eternal life. The one that has all power can go right inside of you. He can open up your heart. He can take out the heart of flesh, stone, not the real pumping instrument, but that seed of emotions that's against God and that has callousness and is hard against the Lord. He can take out that heart of stone. He can put in a heart of flesh that's pliable. He can newly create your heart. Make it soft and pliable. Write his word on your heart that you will obey him. He can sovereignly open up your eyes so that you say, I believe. Jesus can do that. I believe Jesus Christ, you would say, is the son of God. He died for my sins. He was raised from the dead. And believing in him, I have life. The one that upholds all things by the word of his power, can open up your heart and give you sight. He can actually help you behold wonderful things from his word. He can open up your mind and give you insight. Believers, don't forget who's in you. Believers, don't forget who's working out the details of your lives. Where's there room for grumbling? Where's there room for complaining? Where's there room for, for unbelief? That's going to be a major theme that the writer's going to hit coming up. He's trying to ground you in the person and work of Christ so that you don't drift away. You don't move away from the creator, sustainer, the only one that could save you from your sins. You don't move away. You don't move one inch away from the person of Jesus Christ. Where's there room for bitterness? You know, there's an interesting verse in the Bible that also has all things in it. You know where I'm headed? Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purposes. Our purpose. Two qualifiers. Called according to His purpose. 
love God. We're talking about people of God. All things work together for good. Don't be bitter about his purposes. He knows better than you do. He's got way more wisdom than you do. He, he knows what he's trying to accomplish. He knows it in the midst of painful marriages. Been there? He knows in the midst of wayward kids and broken washing machines and flu bugs and yes, even cancer cells. He knows. He has way more love and wisdom than we could ever imagine. He knows exactly what he's doing. He governs your life with wisdom and kindness so that he's working it out not to where you say, oh, that was great and glorious. I'm going to smile all day long. He's working it out for good. His understanding of good for your life. Why? For his glory. He governs your life with wisdom and kindness. Don't repine from frowning providences, but look to the one who upholds all things for your good, child of God, and his glory. If you're lost today, only this God can give you sight. Only this God can open your eyes to the need of salvation. Jesus said it. Only the Father can reveal to someone who Christ is. Matthew 11. Only God can do this. Do you sense an understanding in your mind, a softening of the heart, a need to gravitate toward the gospel? If you do, I can promise you that's not the enemy. That's the quickening power of the Holy Spirit drawing you to Christ. And I, and I want to say every time I preach, Lord, wouldn't it be great if someone got saved? But then on the flip side, we listen to a testimony <laughs> Sunday night of a missionary who's been in a country for 40 years and only 80 salvations in 40 years. You know why? Because God saves. God saves. He knows how to do it. He's been doing it a long time, right? The Lord has the power to save. Would you respond today? Would you trust him? Christians, stop complaining. Just think. Just think for a moment. The Lord Jesus upholds and governs and sustains all things by the word of his power. To God be the glory. Father, again, Lord, you preach this to me before I can ever give it to the people. God, help me. Help us. To really truly embrace who you are. And Lord we haven't gotten any application from it if we don't live it. Lord if we don't take what your word says and apply it to life. God help us. Help us as your people live in the freedom that we trust your providence. You'll see to it that your decrees are accomplished. Job said it. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Lord help us see your beauty in a raindrop. In a snowflake. Lord, help us see the magnitude of your glory in what you've created. Lord, help us not miss that the one who created it all is the one who entered this world in weakness to die in our place. Lord, but you have been exalted to the right hand of the Father. And you have the power through the sp your spoken word to change lives. To rule this world. To control the spinning of the earth. To control the rays of the sun. 
the snow to the ground. Lord, we stand in awe. And Lord, you are worthy. Lord, would you open hearts in the invitation. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and make this our prayer. Lord, take my life. Let it be consecrated to you. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them One who governs and sustains all things by the word of his power is the one who said, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. Isn't that wonderful? That where I am, you will be also. You can take that to the bank. What can the world do to us? Smile. Don't act like you're dragging a funeral procession behind you in your life. You know the creator and the sustainer of all things. Act like it. Act like it. Live like it. Live like you know him. Don't be afraid of the world. Uh, it, looks, it looks bad in the Middle East. I'm telling you. You serve the one who sustains it and controls it. If he says the word, that's over. He may actually say it from the Mount of Olives soon. When he comes in all of his power and glory. Bank your hope in him. Let that be like a rope tied around your heart that you cling to because his promises are true. In that regard, pray for Jeffrey and uh, Michelle and, and the kids. Uh, Mr. Wayne Wolfert went to be with the Lord this week. Uh, Providence, right? The Lord led Mr. Wayne here to be here in Ozark for the last, how many months, Logan? Just over a year to be with Jeffrey and the family. And restore a lot of relationships. And man, uh, what glory. And uh, the Lord took him on home. So pray for them during these days. And uh, God bless you. Look forward to seeing you tonight. We had the Lord's Supper. And we'll also confirm or affirm uh, a mission endeavor of a church plant up there in St. Louis. All right? Look forward to seeing you back tonight. Uh, don't forget, uh, all of us want the word scattered throughout the world, don't we? So give an offering as you leave to help that. Offering plates will be in the back. God bless you.